Well, if you're visiting with us today, we uh, opened a hornet's nest about six weeks ago. So, uh, trying to uh, tie up some loose ends here as we continue our study of biblical man- manhood and womanhood. And uh, today we're working through a definition of biblical femininity, what it means to be a woman according to the scriptures, according to God's model for women. And uh, so don't think that this is targeted to you because you're visiting uh, today, or, um, but uh, hopefully that you will find some value in looking at the scriptures with us and, and, uh, and bringing out some, some truths from that. So let me begin with the word of prayer and then we'll look at the scriptures today and then we'll see how it applies. Our Father, we're thankful for uh, the uh, time in which we can spend with our families and friends around this time of the year and and reflect on our Savior of His coming to the earth so that He could die and be raised from the dead so that He could be crowned King. We long for the day when we will uh, take part in that ceremony, take part in the the marriage ceremony of the Lamb to the church, and... uh, we long to spend eternity with Him and with you, and we pray that um, we would seek our greatest joy in knowing you more in this life. And to that end, we ask for your help this hour as we reflect on uh, what your Word says about being a woman according to the Scriptures, and we pray that you would give us wisdom and insight as we think about these things and help us to apply it to our specific situations and uh, give us understanding, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's turn to Genesis chapter 2. Look at a passage we've looked at several times uh, in this class. Genesis chapter 2. And we'll read uh, verses 15 to 24. And the point that, that we have seen from this, the main point is that that the uh, the roles of both men and women were established before marriage was established. And so what we want to see is that the responsibility for uh, a female to act biblically feminine was given to her, that is, her specific role to help or nurture the man was given to her before there was husband and wife. And so there is some responsibility for every woman to submit to men in some way. Now, not every single man, and we'll talk about that as we get into classes down the road um, that look at uh, the basic uh, uh, application that we're going to talk about when it relates to the church, the world, at home, and so on. But let's just look back at this passage. I know we've already laid a lot of of groundwork, but I want to summarize some of this for those who haven't been here. So verse 15, Genesis chapter 2. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper suitable for him. 
So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. And then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And then here's the expression of marriage here in verse 24. For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. There's a lot that we could say about this passage, but uh, when it comes to a man, his primary responsibility is to lead, to take responsibility over God's creation that he has put uh, before him. That is, the dominion mandate is given primarily to the man, that he is the one to cultivate and keep it. We know that because he is given that responsibility before she is even created, that he is to name the animals, he is to care for the field, and so on. And when he starts naming the animals, you remember how it goes, that when he gets to, uh, he, he recognizes that for each animal there is a helper suitable for each animal that he names, but not for him. And so at that point, uh, God uh, takes a rib from him. And again, we see that the woman is, is given a, a, a lower function. Okay, And that's the key distinction between our understanding of what the Bible says and and what these feminists like to do, and they like to they like they call it egalitarianism, okay, where men and women are equal in all respects. That is both in essence, worth, value. We would agree with all those things, but then also in function that the woman has the same function as a man that she can lead in the same way that a man can. She can uh, she doesn't have to submit. Um, and so on. And uh, and obviously the Scriptures teach differently, and we see that at the very outset of, of God's creation here in Genesis chapter 2. All right, so we are working through a definition of biblical femininity. This is the um, third part of this. We've already done a class and a half on this. So let me just read the definition for you, and then we'll break down the rest of what we haven't looked at so far. All right, the essence of biblical femininity is a freeing disposition to affirm, receive, and nurture strength and leadership from worthy men in ways appropriate to a woman's differing, a woman's differing relationship. All right, so we want to continue by looking at the strength and leadership part of this definition right there in the middle, the second line there. That, that a man is given the responsibility to provide and to protect women. Okay? Specifically, the woman is given to him in marriage, but also in general, man is given the responsibility to provide and to protect woman. So, uh, a woman. So uh, the other ways that that could play itself out is in a, in a, a family relationship that if, let's say, an aunt is struggling and she has no other uh, family to take care of her. In fact, Paul talks about even a widow in First Timothy, I think, chapter 3. In order for her to be put on the list of widows, she first has to be a certain age and she has to be a godly person, not a busybody, all these things. And then uh, she has to have not have family that can already care for her. You think, wait a second, this is a widow and the church is not willing to to give of their resources to help that person and Paul says no because the first responsibility is to is for 
a man in her life, either you know, a son or, or a nephew or, or a grandson or something like that. And so we have a responsibility um, uh, to care for, for women, men, in, in our lives. That's, that's part of our responsibility. And so for you ladies, that means that you ought to affirm and receive and nurture that strength and leadership. You should love that. You should not want to usurp that. You should never seek to usurp it, and you should feel uh, wrong when you do. Um, biblical femininity is rooted in a commitment to Christ as Lord. And remember, we looked at First Peter chapter 5 and Ephesians chapter 5, and the reason that women can do this, the reason that women can submit to a, a man who is not always perfect, okay, and probably most often not perfect, uh, the reason she can do that is because First Timothy 5 says she's doing it uh, as she does it to God. Ephesians 5 says as she does it to the Lord. She recognizes that, that yes, I don't affirm that he is a perfect man who is over me, but I do affirm God's role for me within this relationship. And so I'm happy to submit to this male governor or I'm happy to submit to this male boss or to this male pastor or this male uh, you know, husband of mine. I'm happy to do that because I'm submitting myself to Christ and His model. You see, for, for women to try to move out of their position of submitting to men to a place of leading men is actually defying the created order, which is why Eve got herself in trouble. Now, obviously... Adam took the brunt of the responsibility because he was passive in his sin. Uh, he was supposed to lead her not to to eat of the fruit, but she was just as wrong for for usurping his authority and um, and uh, taking the fruit apart from his leadership. Um, and so, a mature biblical woman is going to delight in the kind of masculinity that nurtures. Uh, and, and and cares for her, and that and that and that seeks to to um, cultivate a biblical feminine, fe, a biblically feminine woman. Woman. Now, there is a um, there is a sense in which let me move to this next point here. That that a woman doesn't follow passively. Okay, she doesn't just passively just follow. Okay, everything that a that a man says or everything that my husband says I must do. Okay, obviously we understand that or you understand women women that your primary responsibility is to Christ and if your husband or male leader in whatever case is commanding you to do something that is against the scriptures then you would have to you would have to um you'd have to be unsubmissive in that case. But but don't use that as an excuse to not submit. Okay, whenever you disagree. What you need to understand is there's a difference between things that are clearly against God's com- command or God's design for you and things that are simply preference. Okay? So if you're, let's just take the marriage relationship again. If your husband tells you to, you know, let, let's just be really extreme. If your husband tells you to kill someone, to murder someone, then you understand you're not supposed to do that. Okay? No, I have to be submissive to my husband. No, no, in that case you would not. But if your husband tells you, you know, um, we are going to this place on vacation, 
whether you like it or not. Okay, hopefully he's not going to be authoritarian. Remember, he's designed to provide and protect and think of her needs first. But if he does that, that's not a, a case of, of something where you would clearly violate the Scriptures if you went to that place, for example. Okay, so in that case, you should bend in submission to him. Okay, I'm just using a, a kind of a bizarre but a, uh, example, but you understand that there, this could play out in many different ways. You need to you need to make distinctions. Okay, when you're going to usurp his authority, you need to make sure that you have clear biblical grounds to do it. That's my point. Okay, if you're going to usurp the authority of the man that God has placed over you, you need to have clear biblical grounds to do it. Um. So, uh, let's move on to the next point here. And so that means that, that it requires great discernment on your part. Okay, even even a even an ungodly husband, even an unbelieving husband, women can be submitted to. You understand that? An unbelieving husband can be submitted to. First uh, Peter five talks about the woman winning her husband without a word. You see, submission for a wim- for a woman is completely unnatural since the fall. And the reason I know that is because that's part of the curse on the woman. Genesis chapter three verse fifteen: that your desire will be to usurp his authority. That's the idea there. It's not that your desire is going to be greater for your husband. Look at that verse with me just quickly. Uh, not not verse 15, I'm sorry. It's um, after that. Verse 16. To the woman, God said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth, so, so uh, a change in her body, and in pain you will bring forth children. Yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Okay, the idea there is that that your desire is going to be to usurp your husband's authority. But he is going to master you. He's going to rule over you. And so you need to, to fight against that urge to to want to usurp his authority. And what I'm telling you is that you can even do that to an unbelieving uh an unbelieving leader. And if you don't think you can, just think about a couple examples. Okay, how many of you either have or had ha- have had at one time in your life an unbelieving boss? Okay, almost all of us. Okay, and can you submit yourself to his authority? It, are, are there commands that you can agree to? In fact, almost every one of their commands you can agree to, because they're not usually commanding you to sin. Now there will be some occasions where they're trying to get you to do unethical practices. I understand that. But for the most part, bosses are seeking to increase their their well-being, their resources, and they're commanding you to just do simple tactical jobs. Okay? And so you can submit to an unbelieving person, can't you? Uh, we all can. And uh, obviously, Romans chapter 13 tells us that we have to re- submit to our government, and uh, and no one of us would argue that there's any... Uh, there's much redeeming value there, right? All right, so let's con- continue on with the uh, definition here. Um, when uh, her husband or, or leader of any kind does not possess 
biblical masculinity, that doesn't mean she abandons her responsibility to submit. Okay. All right. Any questions before we get to affirm Ken? Yeah. Uh, again, it have to be a clearly, um, it have to be a, a clear defiance against the scriptures. So, depending depending on what kind of a church it is, I mean, is it a church where she could actually still worship God and still, you know, uh, you know, take the extremes of pagan churches? Uh, that sounds like an oxymoron there, but let's just take like a, a Catholic church just to be for an example, you know. If if he's telling her she must go to a Catholic church, then obviously, you know, she she would uh, she would be right not to say no. I need to I need to find another church to go to because I'm I'm going against my responsibility to worship God as I am told and to and to minister with other believers. But then you have this this whole uh, spectrum of churches from there to you know the most Bible centered church that there is. And where on that line is it? And does she have clear biblical reason to not go to that church? That would be the question. Um, so, again, we talked about initiating, you know, the woman. It's not wrong for the woman to initiate uh, spiritual leadership if the husband is is failing in that way. But she should not want to. Uh, she should not want to seek to do that. She shouldn't seek to do it. She shouldn't want to usurp his authority. But she recognizes she has a higher authority, so she she's happy to do it at times. Um, so that's that's kind of a tough question. Kind of depends on what kind of a church it is, I guess. All right. Anything else? All right. Good question. All right. The the um, the the word that we want to look at now is um, the well. These three words that we want to look at here is affirm, receive, and nurture. Affirm means simply that the mature woman advocates the kind of masculine-feminine complementarianism that we've been talking about in this class. Okay, So she advocates, uh, or I guess that's plural, so that would be advocate complementarianism. They advocate complementarianism. That is, she understands that there is equality in essence, right? We're both made in the image of God. Equality in worth, in value, not one soul of a man is worth more than the soul of a woman, right? Um, but different in function. That's what complementarianism is. Different in function. That the man has a different function. Just like we understand that within our government. Like we can't just go up behind somebody and expect them to be, you know, expect to pull them over because they were going too fast or they ran through a red light. Why? Because we understand our function within the society that if we don't have the credentials, as a police officer, we just can't just go around doing that. We don't have that authority. There's a different function that we have within our even our our um, our society. Same thing is true within um, w- within the uh, the relationship between a man and a woman. She understands that, that there is a proper function there, and that she is 
in submission to or, or below the authority of a man. Uh, so it's a diff, it's a it's a disposition that that affirms that it says yes to the scriptures. Okay, this is part of what God is doing to to make people back into His image. Remember, at the beginning of creation, man and woman were made in the image of God. That image was never lost; it was marred. But what God has been doing ever since that time is He's He's been bringing us to a place where we are made more and more into the image of Christ. Okay. And part of what that means for a woman is to affirm biblical masculine leadership. And also, uh, the next one is receive. Okay, receive. That they gladly accept and experience the leadership of worthy men. Okay, in other words, like we talked about before, she doesn't want to reverse the roles. She doesn't want to take the wheel. Okay, she she's happy to to... Accept his leadership. In fact, she feels herself, um, as we talked about before, you can see in the beginning of the definition, she feels it to be freeing. Right? Remember Jesus said, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. People who think that they can just do whatever they want, like let's take feminists, for example, we can do whatever we want. We're free from restraints. Well, are you? Because the Bible says everyone who sins is a slave to sin. They're not free from restraints. They're not free from all the restraints. They're actually slaves to their own sin. And Jesus says, the most free you can be is by following me. And so, ladies, for you to gladly accept the the role that you have in life is, is a... Um, is something that's going to bring great joy to you and pleasure to God. All right, then nurture. Gladly affirm, receive, and nurture. Mature, godly women help. That's the idea here in Genesis chapter 2, that the man's primary charge is to be the caretaker of the garden. In verse 15, he's called to work it and take care of it. Before Eve is even brought into the picture for woman, her primary responsibility is to help or to nur- to nurture, right? Even her name at the end of verse 23 is woman. She's called woman because she was taken out of a man. She's a, supposed to be a helper suitable for him. That was said two times in the passage. And so that word nurture means to convey that the biblical woman senses the responsibility not merely to receive the resources that 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 godly men are supposed to give to her, but also to facilitate the work God has called her to do by helping him, by strengthening his strength. Now, this may sound a little bit uh, it's hard to see there, but that means that a woman is not simply a passive receiver, but an active help helper, an active helper. Okay, that it sounds a little paradoxical that a woman strengthens the strength that she receives. If man is already strong, then how can the woman strengthen him? Okay, but but I hope you understand from when we looked at Proverbs chapter thirty-one that the woman actually made the man better, didn't she? This is kind of goes along with what Bill was saying a couple of weeks ago that you know um, behind every good man is a good what. Okay, dog was not the right answer there. It was woman. Okay. Uh, 
So Proverbs 31 shows that to us very clearly because his name is known in the gates and the implication there is that the woman is supporting him in such a way that she's making him uh, even stronger than he would be on his own. That's the idea. Um, In fact, in verse 26 of Proverbs 31, we're told that she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is, is on her tongue. That, that, that um, in Titus 2, she's to work to subject herself to her husband so that no one will malign the Word of God. Okay, that, that in her actions, people can see that God's truth is real based on her willingness to nurture His leadership in her life. And um, so practically, this also makes perfect sense of of how things work within our our um, our different relationships. It means that women are not weaker. Okay, that doesn't mean that that women are weaker than men in every way. Okay, so when we think about this with regard to different institutions that we're involved in, uh, we understand that women bring strengths to the table that men cannot bring. It would be wrong to say that that women are simply passive receivers, that the man is the one there to provide and protect. He's the one who brings all the strength and she just sits there and just receives it all. Okay, that's not the idea. But rather, her, her responsibility is to help him in his responsibility, to help him, to, to make him stronger. Okay? Um, and so we can think about this with regard to ministries within our church. Okay, that there are lots of ministries in our church that are directed by women. And that's okay. And that's good for our church. Why? Because women bring uh, something to the table that men cannot. Okay, for example, in children's ministry or um, even the Christmas program, for, for example. Okay, we have a, we have a, a woman who's capable of, of running that sort of thing and that is completely appropriate for her to do that. And um, and uh, and even just basic insights into various various events or programs that we put on. It would be uh, foolish of me to 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 um, to run all these things without a woman a woman's insight. And so I uh, often get um, I often get uh, information or recommendations from from women within the church as to how we ought to do certain things. And that's okay, okay? Because her job is to help, to help, to strengthen, to nurture. The man's responsibility is to is to lead. Um, and this brings me to uh, a point that Piper and Grudem brought up in their book. There, that I want to spend a, a a few minutes on as well. Let's see what my next point is here. Um, and that is that 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 actually it would be wrong for us to say that men have all the strengths and women have all the weaknesses. It's actually, uh, when we think about a compliment, we should think about that men have certain strengths and women have certain strengths, and when brought together, they're, they're made even stronger. That's really the idea. Okay, so, so it is true that women are weaker in some way, but it is wrong to say that women are weaker in every way. You understand? Because men are actually weaker in in some ways, in many ways, right, women? Uh, 
And, uh, and so we need women to compliment us. Uh, we can think about this in the marriage relationship. We can think about this in church and society and so on. We'll, we'll bring out some of those examples in the weeks, in the weeks ahead. Okay. But the idea in 1 Peter 3, 7 where it says that she is the weaker partner, it's not talking about uh, the fact that, that she, is, she is weaker than him in every way and that man is superior in every way, but rather that, um, that she was designed with a lower function, that is, a lower function with how God has made her. His job is to be the caretaker, Genesis 2.15, and she is the helper that is suitable for him. And we don't want to uh, to minimize the equality that we have between men and women with regard to worth, value, okay, um, essence. That that God values us just as equally as the other. All right. So we're going to look at the last phrase. In ways appropriate to women's different relationships. Let me just read this last point here before I move on, since so it's kind of hard to read. The weaknesses of women highlight the strengths of men, and the weaknesses of men highlight the strengths of women. You may have that on your sheet. And so that's a complementary relationship rather than, a, than an egalitarian or a, an equal relationship. All right, any questions or comments? All right. All right, last phrase, in ways appropriate to a woman's differing relationships. Okay, again, the core, core point here is pretty simple. Biblical femininity does not express itself in the same way toward every man in every relationship. Okay, so, so women, your responsibility is not to submit to every man like you submit to your husband. Okay, or your responsibility is not to submit to your father like it is to submit, uh, like like you, your responsibility is not to submit to every man like it is to your father or to your boss, those, those sorts of things, okay? Um, there's going to be uh, different ways that, that that plays itself out. But a biblical woman should seek to affirm and nurture the man's God-given role and and nature as servant leader, Okay? Uh, I'm kind of getting ahead. I'll go back to those other ones here in just a second. But as servant leader and her God-given role and nature as helpmate or helper, okay, in some appropriate form. So even though, ladies, your responsibility is not the same to every man as it is to your husband or father or boss and so on, there is a way in which you can submit in every situation. It's going to be varying degrees. That's the idea here. Okay? What we've been looking at with regard to the marriage relationship is that that is an intensified relationship. That you have a responsibility to be in subjection in some way to all men, but not in the same way. And, and as you get closer, as you get into a closer relationship, like with your relationship to your husband, that intensifies. And, uh, and so let me just uh, give you a few examples. Let me go back here. I think I had them over here. Okay. A woman to her husband. Okay. We can think about some, some ideas of, of, of what that might look like. 
like she's walking out the door and he says, you know, that that uh, that dress is a little bit too revealing. You need to uh, you need to go put something else on. Okay. She should be happy to submit to him in that situation. But if someone from church or from the uh, you know that doesn't have authority over her or someone just out on the street said that to her, I hope she would she would or or her adult son, you know, it's going to be different in different situations. A woman to her father, a woman to her pastor, governing authority, uh, boss at work, and so on. Okay, do you see what I'm trying to get at here? It's it's going to differ based on the intensity of the relationship that the woman has with the man. All right. Um, so, as I said before, we don't want to abandon every um, you know responsibility that we have, ladies. You don't want to re- abandon every responsibility that you have. When you move away from your responsibility with your husband, okay, then you can get out into the government or the workplace or somewhere else and say, well, he's not my husband, so I don't have to listen to him. Okay, um, we don't want to abandon. There's a proper way to give an expression of your femininity in a biblical way, um, and so you should recognize that. There is a subordinating uh, mindset that you must have, even when okay. Think about this: even when you have a position of leadership over him, okay, you should still have a subordinating mindset. Okay, so let me just try to illustrate what I'm talking about. Um, let's think about a woman who is a boss at work. Okay. Ladies, if you're a boss at work, you have people who work under you who are men. You have a responsibility to lead them, but there's still a way in which you can express yourself in such a way that you're subordinating yourself to his um, responsibility in the creation order. And uh, and obviously that gets pretty tricky, pretty complicated. Um, the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of specifics on how to do that, but but ultimately, if you're going to be a biblically feminine, uh, biblically feminine, then then that means that you need to make uh, biblically discerning decisions with regard to your role within uh, the creation order. And so, what you want to do in in those cases is um, look to the scriptures, find clear principles where you have a responsibility, even in those positions where you have men underneath of underneath you within a relationship um, and uh, and then you need to be flexible you need to be um, loving and caring with how you do it okay don't don't look to to domineer in those situations um, in uh, Genesis 2 again the man's role is to be the primary caretaker the woman's role is to be the helper Okay, and uh, so we need to be careful how this plays out. Now, we will uh, talk about several of these examples in the weeks ahead. In fact, we're going to start getting into the application part of this class starting next week, biblical manhood and womanhood at home. 
and then uh, we'll take two weeks to look at that, and then we'll um, we'll look at biblical manhood and womanhood in the church, and then we'll look at biblical manhood and womanhood in society. What does that look like? So I know uh, I'm probably raising more questions than I'm answering at this point, um, but hopefully over the next five or six weeks we'll be able to answer all of those and more. And again, if you have questions as we go that that I haven't answered very adequately in this class, then uh, write those down. Hopefully we'll, we'll get to those in, in further classes. Any thoughts or questions on what we've talked about today? Stacy. Yeah, I would say the worthy man is the one who's living in a biblically masculine way. Okay, um, but but yes, that does, it is going to play itself out in in the varying relationships. Okay, so obviously within our um, within our definition, we say. We're happy to nurture strength, or ladies, you're happy to nurture strength and leadership from worthy men. And we talked about not completely abandoning, okay, when we have an ungodly man over us. Because uh, we even have the example of Jesus who submitted himself to a, uh, a set of ungodly parents, right? Mary and Joseph. And, uh, and if he could do that, then we certainly can submit ourselves to any ungodly person as well. Um, so in the definition, the idea that that, um, that was developed here by this uh, church in Washington, D.C., they're, what they're suggesting is, from my understanding, is worthy men being those who are concerned primarily about, you know, leading in a biblically masculine way. Uh, so in other words, it's going to be easier, easier to receive and affirm and nurture strength in that leadership, in, in that designed leadership, rather than an unworthy man, one who's um, domineering or completely passive. But in every case, what what ladies ought to do is to not seek to usurp the man's authority, uh, whether he's worthy or not, and... Uh, but in some cases, like I said a couple of weeks ago, the, the woman is going to have to initiate. She's going to have to usurp his authority because he's actually going against God. Um, and I think that the main point uh, with regard to that is whenever that happens, because that tends to be, we tend to make the exception the rule. Okay, I want to usurp his authority, so he's failed me over here, he's led me astray over here, so I'm not following him at all. But what I'm saying is whenever you usurp his authority, you must have biblical grounds to do that. Because otherwise you're defying the creation order. You're, you're defying the way God designed you to be to function within society. Does that help answer the question? All right, good. Anything else? All right, Ken. Well, I, I had to yeah. But I, I noticed that it's, it's worthy man, man isn't in the definition of a firm or in the nurture in either one of those. Do we read into those? I'm sorry. Uh, you talk about on page two there? or Yeah. A firm, yeah, receive. I mean, my thought was 
Oh, I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Under, uh, if you look under receive on page two, it says mature godly women gladly accept and experience the leadership of worthy men. But then if you look under affirm and nurture, the words worthy men are not there. Um, but yeah, again, the, the idea is this is going to be easier when you have, when ladies have a, a worthy men over them. But um, but should be against the norm for a Christian woman to want to uh, reject. Okay, the opposite of affirm, reject that that leadership uh, from an unworthy man, because actually an unworthy man can can still lead um, in a way that would be desiring to God. Actually, an unbelieving man can lead in a way that would be in keeping with God's desires. And what I mean by that is not that he's pleasing to God in his leadership, but take um, the example of, uh, you know, just a pagan uh, a pagan king who has leadership over a group of people like Israel. Uh, can they still receive leadership, receive strength from him? Can they, can they oppose evil? And, and promote good even though they're ungodly? And the answer would be yes, because, uh, for example, when, whenever capital punishment was carried out uh, in the Old Testament, that was a good thing, and that was carried out by unbelieving men just as well as, as believing. And so the point is that, ladies, you shouldn't want to usurp that authority even if you do have a, a man who's not living in a biblically masculine way. Jared? Right, right. Because um, you know, if we wanted to uh, to tease that out a little bit more, we could actually say that every man is worthy because every man is put into a position of leadership uh, just by nature of being a man. Okay. Now, obviously, many of those shed that responsibility. Many of those defer that responsibility to the woman or whatever. But yeah. Right. Right. In that case, you see both her submission to him, I would assume, and then also her initiating of godliness, which he's supposed to be doing, uh, which he can't do as an unbeliever. But um, so you, you kind of see both sides of the spectrum in that example. Good. All right. Any other thoughts? All right. Well, um, keep thinking about this and uh, come back with questions. We'll try to get to some application here in the next couple weeks.
think that'll be a little bit more helpful. Kind of pushes us to where we're at in life. So, all right, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you for uh, your design within the creation. We pray that you would help us as men not to be domineering or passive in our responsibility to lead. And that we pray for the women in this church to to gladly accept the authority of the men that you've placed over them. And I pray that you would help us together to to minister to one another and complement each other, uh, fulfilling the the roles that you have given to us, uh, providing as each joint supplies, so that there would be a building up of the Church of Jesus Christ, which we love and we. We uh, long to see purified so that um, we can be made into a pure bride for our Savior who deserves nothing less. We pray in His name. Amen.